This is the Restoration Foursquare Church Podcast. We are a place of new beginnings and hope for the future. We hope you enjoy today's message. So I want to read you the story, but I want you to read it with me out of John chapter number two, when Jesus turns the water into wine. That's the story that we're going to look at. And I want to, I want us to approach this as in our own hearts, providing a setting for the Lord for a transformational miracle in your life in one area or another. Now, I'm a little bit humored by this scripture because I don't know. I mean, is it okay that I just tell you what I was thinking? How many of you say, that's okay with me? All right. You might not read this in any commentary, but you're going to read it in my life today. It is the first miracle that Jesus performed. So I get a little excited. I'm thinking, wow, what's the first What's he doing? What's he going to do? You know, you think raising somebody from the dead, you know, or hey, a little girl was, you know, dying and Jesus saved her. Or, you know, there was a man a couple chapters later, all I'm doing in my mind is rolling forward, all right, in, in the book of John. You know, man's son was real sick. By faith, he was healed. Woman with an issue of blood spent all her money at doctors that weren't doing her any good. She pushes through. She gets healed. None of that. His first miracle's beverage service. And I want to tell you why. It was the one that was brought to him. To hear me. It was the situation that he was inquired about to deal with when his mother said, you know what, whatever he says, you do it because Jesus, they're out of wine. And it's just humorous. Uh, of course, uh, the, thing, the second thing that touches me, I hope you don't mind this. But the second thing that touches me, other than, you know, he's providing beverage service, which tells me he's probably more interested in the details of my life than I realize. Because I've actually heard a lie perpetuated as doctrine by some people that will say, oh, I didn't take that to the Lord. That's not, that wouldn't be important to him. He's got a lot more other important things to do. No, you take everything to him and you take things that normally you would not think, well, maybe this isn't important. It, it, it is important. Come on, beverage service? All right. The second thing that I was noticing is it wasn't his time. You know, that's a, this is going to be the section. It's not going to be one of my points, so I'm just slipping it in right now. But it's, this is the whole conversation that he has with his mother. You know, she said, they have no wine. He said, my time has not yet come. All right. Well, sometimes we're wondering, well, you know, not only is it important enough to the Lord, but is it his time? I know, ask him. Yes. Invite him in. Yes. Talk to him about it anyway. Lord, I don't know if this is your timing, but I sure have an ache in my heart over this area. This is sure bothering me. Lord, and I need you to move right now. And I like the picture of God that it gives, which is he is touchable regardless of what his timing was because he did it. Of course, it might have been the influence of his mama. You know, come on. I still, my mom, we're on the face of this earth, still kind of stand at attention a little bit around her. She's mama. You understand? The other thing, of course, we could say, you know, he was at a wedding, and I believe marriage is important to him. huh? But there's another thing that I couldn't help but wonder about, and that is, if I was head of that wedding, 
So think of what you have influence on. And this was something under my charge, and I had a need. Would I take that need? Would my first response have been to take that need to the Lord? So let's say there's a wedding here. Now, by the way, I'm going to show you an honorary side of mine, all right? And, but it's pastor that invited me. It's kind of all the pressures on him. If you don't like it, you just say, please don't have him back this year. And he'll tell you, well, he can't come anyway. Thank God. Bless the Lord forever. And we'll try and slip him off the schedule for next year. But I was thinking, I thought, and I mean it. By the way, regardless of what you think of me right now, I love the Lord. I mean, to my core, I love him. He's life to me. Ask my wife, man, when I'm alone, you can tell how desperate I am for him. I love him. I owe him my life. He took me out of the gutter, and he gave me life. And he did that with my siblings and my rotten father that was an alcoholic that got saved, and my mother that was hard-hearted and got saved, and, and stepmom, et cetera. You understand? He takes us from a place of darkness and he puts us in his light. So we just owe him. But so in light of all that of my life, that's just a little quick testimony as it would be. I want you to know as long as I have known the Lord and as many miracles as I've seen, I still sometimes go to the flesh and my Come on, I'm being sarcastic about this. I go to my brilliance. I go to my, my strategies. I go to my plans first before I go to the Lord. So here's an example. We have a wedding here at Restoration. I'm making this up. Re wedding here at Restoration Fellowship, and pastor put me in charge of the beverage. And they everybody's enjoying themselves. It's a nice summer day here in Alabama. And we run out of beverage. And my wife had been helping me. I would have said, <laughs> first response, oh, Jesus, come and help. No. <laughs> my first response would have been, woman, did you know how many people were going to show up here today? Do you know we just ran out? Think how many battles you've had because of tensions that you took on the responsibility and didn't give that care over to the Lord. And I'm just talking about myself right now. You understand what I'm saying? Because, hmm, please go with me on this and don't hold this against me. But smart people tend to rely on themselves a little bit too much. You understand? So I would have, and then Benita would have told me, come on, I want you to work and see how this causes family problems. I would have said, we'll deal with this later. I mean, do you use simple math? You got a brain, God gave it to you. Did you use it? How much did you order? And she, well, Robbie, come on, we need to stop fighting in front of all these people. We need to come up with a solution for this beverage that people are out of. Okay. Go down to Bevmo and buy some more. Yes. That's right. She would sit, then tell me, we don't have enough money. Yes. Do I have to come up with a solution for everything? Don't you have a credit card? But Robbie, our balance keeps getting bigger every time you say that. Benita, just go down and buy it. The people are in need. We got to take care of the solution. Yes. Now, 
Now you have a boy, I mean, meaning me, who's fighting with his wife, blaming her for all the shortfall and causing financial difficulty and burden. Why? Because I didn't call on the name of the Lord and invite him into the beverage service that was in need of. You understand? How many of you have experienced that yourself? You knew you were just kind of putting on somebody else the things that really he was saying, you do need to put that on somebody. You need to put it on me. Okay, that's just my thoughts. Let's look. John 2, verse 1. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. The mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Would you say invited? And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, by the way, this is his mama. Woman, by the way, my mama would have never let me say that. Woman... What does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. By the way, a couple weeks ago, I heard a mom and a little boy talking in the back of church, and mama said, you know what? If it's in the word, you can live it. That's how you're to live. How many of you agree? Can you imagine some young person here right now, it's about 14 years old, goes home after church. He's playing Nintendo and his mama says, take out the trash. Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. <laughs> I think that boy's about to lose his hair is what's going to happen. So not all this is meant for you to quote to mama. Verse 5. His mother said to the servants, Ruth, is this okay? Okay. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. These are big water pots. They're about to have a big miracle. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. Say brim. I was looking at one of you. You didn't say it. All right. You say brim. He said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that had been made wine, and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. Last verse. He said to them, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. Do you know why they do that? Do you know why? Huh? Because they're inebriated. At that time, they don't know it's Boone's Farm or Thunderbird. <laughs> Come on. By the way, I was working in a liquor store when I got saved. Should I have told you that? I'm serious. That was not just said. That was the truth. That stuff will rot your gut, man. Is it possible? Come on, let's work this just for a minute since I'm already in trouble by some of you. Is it possible 
that we get inebriated with stuff that isn't the best, that we don't even know what we're drinking. We don't even know because we're, we don't even have taste buds for the good anymore. You understand? Okay. It then says, you have kept the good wine until now. Exclamation point. By the way, real quick vote. Don't think about it long. How many of you agree they kept the good wine until then? Raise your hand real quick. You're wrong. <laughs> they didn't keep the good wine till then. They had a good wine. They had Thunderbird. <laughs> then they had nothing. Then somebody obeyed God. Then they had the best. They didn't keep the best. God made the best out of nothing. Yay. So I'm interested in setting my own life up for him to work in my empty places and take the nothing even after I tried my stuff given Benita my best, then given her my Boone's Farm. Come on, you understand, I'm not talking about wine right now. I'm talking about something that's chintzy and cheap. And then given her nothing. <laughs> Come on. And now God wants to do the best, invite him in. So let's look. Three points real quick. Verse number two, I call it the setting of a transformational miracle. It's the first one which is Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. So you invite him in. Invited. Say invited again. I invite him in. Well, you know, listen, there is a difference between inviting and letting. You understand? You know, some of us, I mean, when I really say some of us, it's my way of disguising myself. I'm not telling you that I've done this. You understand? So some of us have actually thought, well, Lord, you're in my life. If you'd like to move in that situation, have at it. Uh-huh. In fact, some of it isn't even hardly letting him in. Some of it's even kind of, you're going to have to push on the door a little bit. But I'm, if you insist, I'll let you. And then there's a letting in. Have you ever been with somebody that just let you in rather than invited you in? You understand? There's a difference. Let let me give you a story of it. And part of it's made up, but it's for you to figure out which part would be and wouldn't be. All right, I got to put a little liability release in there because it's my mother-in-law. Have you ever been around a person, I almost said a woman, but... Let me just, because there's men like this too. Let me just say it. Have you ever, no, I won't say it. Have you ever, there's too many women in here and I like you, all right? But have you ever been around somebody, you know, for about five minutes they could be okay at best? And then after a little bit, they just turn toxic. Everything they have, blah, you know, it just turns to acid. You think, I want out of the room. Let me out of the room. You know, how many of you know somebody like that? You know, I don't mean here in the building or sitting next to you. I meant, you know, family. You know, we, every family's probably got one. This woman, mother-in-law, saying respectfully. Anyway, this woman doesn't even drive. She didn't drive so she can depend on you. You're going to take me to the store, aren't you? Huh? 
oh yeah, that's all I was waiting for you to call and tell me. And you're going to take me at that time, aren't you? Huh? Huh? Come on, some of you know people like that. They're just, everything's an expectation and you can never meet it. Okay? Thank you, Lord, that you do something in us where actually people can be pleased. I mean, we can be pleasing to people and they can be pleased. We can, you understand what I'm trying to say. I can't say it yet. They're pleasing to us. That we can actually look at somebody and be pleased by them rather than expecting and be toxic around them. And by the way, if you're that toxic person, deal with yourself right now. God's giving you opportunity. You don't have to be Boone's Farm anymore. You can be the best. Come on, invite him to that attitude. I don't care how long you've had it or who you got it from. Okay? So, Benita and I had been ministering, I don't know, back East Coast, Washington, D.C., most likely. That, from my memory, we flew, was one of those days, oh my word, I mean, DI's plane three times, changed here, changed there. Finally, we're back. I get home, and it's late in the evening, and I want to tell you, we were traveling a lot through that time, and when I get home, I want my jammies on, I want to sit in my, on my couch with my dog, with my remote control in front of my TV set and watch Fixer Upper. All right? You understand? You understand? I no more sat down there and the front doorbell rang. And we live on a little cul-de-sac. There's just five houses on it. And I thought, well, who could be? It, It is 20 minutes to 10. Who could that be? And I thought, I bet it's my neighbor. He picks up packages and stuff for us. He knows our schedule. He's a real nice guy and makes sure our home's cared for while we're away. So I thought it was him. But now you don't have to do this living in Madison and Huntsville. You won't even know what these are. But in case you've been to California, you've seen one of these. But they have things in the door that you can look through. <laughs> in case there's a bad guy out there. Do you understand? You understand? Have you ever seen one in the movies or anything? So I look over through, through the hole to see who it is before you open the door. Huh? Okay. I look through my Lord and my God. It is my mother-in-law. Benita comes around the corner about that time. She said, who is it? I said, it's your mother. She said, did she see you? I don't know. I look back. I look back into that hole. And her eye was up to it. I said, oh, she's seen our shadow. She knows somebody's here. She said, you better open the door. You better open the door. I opened the door. Guess what I said? Well, Joanne, she's there with, by the way, two suitcases. Oh, Jesus. Oh, she's got two of them, two of them. Anyway, the taxi's backing out of the driveway. Hey, 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 come back, come back. No joke, no joke. She said, it's okay. They'll be back in the morning. I'm taking the train to so-and-so's house. Okay, okay. Okay, you'd have to know her. Here's what I said, Joanne, so 
good to see you. Hey, if you were there, you would have done the same thing. Why set off the bomb, folks? I mean, why set off the bomb? I said, and I said, what are you doing? What are you doing? She's there holding her bags, still outside. She said, I'm not kidding. She said, are you going to invite me in? Of course, of course, of course. Come on in, come on in, come on in. Dragging her two bags with her. She said, I'm kind of hungry. Do you have anything to eat? I said, well, Joanne, we just got back from Washington, D.C. I said, but we always got something growing in the back of the refrigerator. (laughs) Or, (laughs) come on, think of your own for a minute. (laughs) Or there's something frozen, huh? Or I'll go get you something if you really want me to. She said, no, no. She said, just something frozen and be fine. So we went in the kitchen. She put her bags down, went in the kitchen. So I said, let me see what we have. I grabbed a Swanson's out of there. I said, here, you want it heated up? (laughs) She said, (laughs) she said, that'd be helpful. She said, but didn't I see a Marie Callender's in there? No, no, there was no Marie Callender's in there. She wanted to sleep in the bed, so we got her a bed to sleep in that night. Got up the next morning. She, she's a coffee person. Boy, I wouldn't want to see her without her coffee. So, so she said, do you have any coffee? Oh, Joanne, nothing but the best for you, girl. I said, listen, I just, just recently got some really fresh. I mean, it's not an old one. It's a fresh one. I got you some taster's choice. Here, hadn't even been opened yet. <laughs> Looked at the container, it was five years old. <laughs> she said, didn't I see some Starbucks in there? And wait a minute, isn't that a Keurig on the counter? No, oh, we ha- we're just holding that for somebody. <laughs> just holding it for somebody. She said, are you, sh- yeah, this is fine. Listen, <laughs> if it's not strong enough, put two of them in there for you, all right? Here, you can have it. You know what she said to me? She said, I don't feel very welcome in your house. Now, can you imagine? She wouldn't. Isn't that right? I let her in. I invited her in. Work it with me. Come on. I even gave her something to eat. Gave her what she wanted. I gave her coffee. Listen, have I, in fact, let's go back to the basics for a minute. Is Jesus, it's just for you to answer, honey. There's no raise a hand on this. This isn't joining the church or anything. This is you and the Lord. Has he been invited into your life? Or is he let in? Here's a Swanson's. You want me to eat it for you? No, God, I know where you came from. I know where I came from. I know what Jesus saved me from, and I'm so awed at his love and grateful for him and his presence. Come on. Lord, you can, I'll fix you a steak. I don't know where I'll get it, but I'll fix it. You understand what I'm saying? And sometimes then, I mean, by the way, if you're not a believer, 
Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock, Revelations 3. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, he's not going to force his way in. If you'll open the door, invite him in. He said, if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. That means the Lord wants to sit with you. The God of this universe loves you. He's saying, I know where you've been. I know we haven't been together. Just invite me in and I'll sit with you and I'll stay with you. Yay! That's a miracle if you know yourself. Come on, smile if you know it's a miracle. Isn't that right? But then when it comes to issues, you invite him in. Listen, I know the clock is running as in my enemy today. But I want to tell you a story about Ruth and Huey. Really a story about my family. We have, a, we have three kids. And our youngest son, I know, six, seven years ago, went through a very, very, I mean, for this is prolonged. This is for years. But he went through an extremely threat, life-threatening uh, disease, I'll call it. He had a dystonic reaction where his spinal cord up near his, just below the cerebellum swelled. And he lost all use of his body from right about here down. In one day, I mean in six hours, he went from a healthy young man. In fact, he was at church on the, when he called me, he said, Dad, something is very wrong, something very wrong. Within three hours, he couldn't walk or talk. I thought he was going to die, and some do, but he didn't. We, this went on for months, seemed if something bad could happen, it would get worse. <laughs> Wife left him in the middle of it because he was curled up like cerebral palsy, and oh, 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 oh. I'm not making fun of anybody who's gone through that. I'm trying to tell you the, the severity of it. And these daddy's eyes that are looking at you watched him, my boy, who I love. Horrible going through that stuff. Some of you have been through worse. I've been through other things that have been equally as bad, if not worse, too. I'm just telling you the one story because they're a part of it. We prayed. In fact, after three weeks, the wonderful neurological team at UCLA Hospital told us he was stable. Stable is not good if they're not good. Stable means you're going to have to learn to adjust. This is how he's going to be the rest of his life. You know, bad, bad. I stood in that hallway and the Lord spoke. I said, Lord, how am I to pray? Am I to pray, is he going to die? Am I to pray that he's to live? And some of you, you would have just went right off, started quoting scriptures. I've done that too. I mean, you know, in other words, you would have interceded for him. I'm not belittling that. I needed to have the confidence I was doing what God wanted. I needed to hear his voice. And he said, you intercede for his complete recovery. Nothing that I saw outwardly lined up with what God was asking me to do. You understand? I interceded prayed for that boy so many times and by the way I mean he he actually got where five months <clears throat> he 
between four, uh, four months, there was a miracle that happened that I could actually begin to understand him. And his first sentence was, I love you, Dad. And it took him a full minute. Oh, 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 You know, I won't put you through the agony. You get it. But I love you, Dad. I cried, cried. Heard my son tell me he loves me. You know, going through that. Lord said, you intercede for his full recovery. Five months. There was a miracle that happened all in one night. And then five months, you could, you could hear him, understand him. If he was standing here, you would have never known he had gone through that. I could still tell some of the residue. At six months, he started having grand mal seizures. Horrible, horrible, life-threatening. They tried every kind of treatment. They even did electroconvulsive shock therapy trying to reset the brain. This is bad old stuff, guys. Thank God for medical personnel that works so very, very hard. Yes. I've been with him in the hospital when his, he'd have seizures that would go for 11 hours. Terrible. Terrible. I bet I've laid hands on him 49 times before what I'm about to tell you. And he'd lost his license, lost his job, wife gone. Felt like life was over. Horrible, horrible. He's getting ready to go to UC San Francisco where they have, it is the na- known as the National Adult Epilepsy Center there at UCSF. Going there for five-day study ended up being six days. Huey and Ruth, my friend. We're in the kitchen. I said, Josh, get ready to put him on the train, being the good dad I am. I'm not going with him. <laughs> I, sorry, laugh at that. It's okay. Anyway, he, he and Ruth were there. His mama was going with him. But I said, would you guys pray with me? This is like 50th time. You hear me? Yes. We pray. He's never had another seizure. In the middle of praying, Pastor Huey prayed. Ruth prayed. That girl is a spiritual mother. She had her hands on him, and she loves Joshua. She loves you. She loves beyond here a little bit, too, and she's incorporated our family. She laid hands on him, and while she was praying, I sensed, I knew. I'm a spiritual man, too, regardless of what you hear about my (laughs) mother-in-law. But... While she's praying for him, I sensed an impartation of the Holy Spirit, but I didn't know what it meant. I've been around too long to interpret it quickly. You understand? It could have meant God's with him in a special way. Okay? And that would have been a standard raised. Yes? Yes? He was healed. He was healed. He's remarried today. He's in church this morning. He's working regularly. Got his license back. He's a praying man. He was out visiting a guy from an accident up, wounded warriors up in Palo Alto yesterday, guy who had a hideous accident, 12 years Navy, whose spinal cord was severed, but already starting to regenerate. I personally got to lead that young man to the Lord about a week and a half ago. Okay. Just want to say, you invite him in. 
if God says invite him into that situation and it doesn't resolve itself quickly, you continue to push in with the grace of God and loving him, but you invite him into those situations. Amen? Now I call her St. Ruth. (laughs) Call her that after church. Instead of Pastor Ruth, St. Ruth. (laughs) I love you, girl. You still love me? I shouldn't harass her in front of you. Number five. Just two more things. I'll be quick. Whatever he says to you, do it. Problem is, we usually don't know what he's saying. We're just doing. You hear me? Quick story. I'm having lunch with Paul Youngie Cho a number of years ago. Pastor of the largest church in the world. 800,000 people at the weekend services. In a, in a city, in a nation that had been steeped in multi-generational Buddhism. I told him, Dr. Cho, I said, I'm serving the Lord pastoring. Told him where we were pastoring. I said, we haven't seen the kind of results you have. How do you, what do you attribute that to? He said, I pray and I obey. And I wasn't being smart mouth with him. I'm just trying to let him speak into my life. So I was being honest with him. I said, if you ask people closest to me that really know me, they'd say, that's two hallmarks of Robbie's life. He prays and he obeys the Lord. He said, but Robbie, when you say that, when you say even the word obey, I feel like you're saying that you pray to the Lord about your different concerns and then you obey him in trying to not sin that day. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty much it. (laughs) Come on, anybody there with me? (laughs) I just don't want to do wrong today. I don't want to be displeasing to you. Come on, anyone wrestle with that kind of stuff too? I just don't want to swear at somebody at Walmart today. All right, I mean, that'd be victory for me. All right, sorry, he invited me. So, So he said, that's not what I'm talking about when I talk about obeying. He said, I pray about everything in my life. I pray my own life, my own weaknesses, my own whatever, reservations, refrains. I pray over everything in my life, what I'm going through. I pray over my wife, and he's funny. He says, and God knows she needs it. He laughs, you know, and he said, I pray over my wife and how she's been treating me, and I pray over my kids that are all adults, and I pray over their families. I pray over their needs. I pray over the church staff. I pray over the church. I pray over our community where it's been locked up and the gospel's not yet reached them. I pray over the mission field, and then I quiet my heart. And he said, and I don't leave there until I've heard God's instructions on what to do with every one of those things. Oh, man, I was suddenly aware, and it's going to get real ugly for a minute. I was suddenly aware some of my prayer time with the Lord is taking him my five, seven, ten needs. And by the way, God, I'll be back tomorrow and check on see how you're doing stamping off the two that got taken care of. By the way, you did real good on those two, little shady on those other eight. But I want to add about four more, and hey, I'll see you tomorrow. You understand? There's no listening. I don't know what he'd be saying to do. So he has a voice. Communion, communication with the Lord is two ways. 
and he wants to say something about your emptiness. And he wants to tell you what your part is to do that he will touch and empower and cause there to be a filling in places of emptiness. It would be like me and my wife because whenever we get in a fight, it's her fault. How many of you know what I mean? You know, those women, you know. <laughs> Jay, you know what I mean, buddy? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I'm sweating right now. I'm sweating, you know. You're there by yourself. <laughs> I'm feeling alone all of a sudden. Lord, what do I do with her? If I was praying in that one way, I'd be saying, Lord, do something with her today. Soften her cold heart. If I learn to obey the Lord, it means I need to listen to him. Lord, Benita's been a little cold to me lately. Yes, son, you've been a little cold to her for quite a while. What am I to do, Robbie? I want you to experience my love afresh right now and start loving her with the love I have for you. Well, I don't even need to go to marriage counseling if I obey him. (laughs) All right. Now said, last point. Number seven, Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water and they filled them to the brim. Now, I want to tell you, if it had been me, I would have filled them to a safe value. Huh? Huh? If I said, is it Daryl? Darren, I'm sorry, I got your name wrong. If I said, Darren, I'm real thirsty, would you get me some water in a glass? You'd go back. You'd come back with a glass, but you wouldn't fill it to the brim. Why, you'd spill it on the way, and you'd be wondering, I'd be spilling it all over me in front of all of you, looking unsophisticated and things, you know? So we have a safe place. We give it to them. We don't fill things to the brim. If the Lord says for me to forgive my mother-in-law, mm, 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 okay, I forgive her. Don't ask me to be around that woman. Now, by the way, sometimes you do need boundaries about around people that are, that. well, I'll just leave it. Wisdom needs to be boundaries sometimes. You understand? I'm not talking about putting yourself in situations where truly there is abuse and that yes. kind of thing. Yes. Okay. But sometimes forgiveness is a reconciliation too. You understand? Sometimes it's letting a person be able to win with you. Looking at them with a new eye. It's filling it to the brim. It's not being just safe. It's being Jesus.